get back to the hotel. And he's like, dude, my life flashed before me when that happened. I said, bro, your life flashed before me while I watched <laughs> you fucking do it. It was, there was more moments like that on that, on that event of just sketchy at 35 miles an hour. You know what I mean? We're not doing anything. It shouldn't be dangerous, but the machinery is so antiquated and the rest of the world is moving so fast and so Hey everybody, welcome back to Talking Motorcycles. I'm Tom Connors and today I'm joined by Sean Brayton. Sean is an addict when it comes to basically everything automotive, but today we're going to try to focus on just the two-wheel and maybe a little bit of three-wheel aspect of his addiction. Uh, Sean has a shop in Southern Rhode Island that is filled with actually a wide array of cars and a few motorcycles and then I see a lot of bicycles and a lot of great machinery. Sean's in the Oilers Car Club which is known for the race of gentlemen and frozen a few, yeah, which is a really interesting thing. But why don't you say hi to the people? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hello, 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 everybody. Sounds like Sean off mic was telling me earlier that he was working at a regular car dealership, nine to five type thing, and started running into the hassle of repeat offenders with shit boxes coming back. Was that what you're starting to say before? It's, it's not even. It wasn't even so much the. The shitbox aspect of it. I mean, I can almost, I could almost appreciate that. It was the fact that what I was doing didn't mean anything. Uh, I could do the best job putting in, you know, parts, and in a year, five years, whatever, the car gets too many miles, whatever, times out, and it's garbage. So I just got sick of, I get sick of trying to do work that was a hundred percent on something that was disposable because it just, it just. And, and, you know, it's also a legacy. You feel like, like after a while, like, oh, fuck, I got to do another head gasket? Like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? It's the same same story every single day. So mm -hmm. for 10 years, I'm in the same bay doing the same. It gets to the point I could take every tool out for a job, lay it on the bench, and just do the job, like, from memory. In order, too, in, I bet. Right, right. Yeah. And, and there's fun in that because you get really efficient and you get fast. And when you're a flat-rate mechanic, you make money. But, again, after a while, it's like, dude, I, I got no interest in any of this stuff. And they throw these fucking cars away. I'm sick of seeing get, stuff get thrown away. And each year, new stuff comes out. And, it, yeah, it's better, it's better. I, I get it, and I love that. But... It's disposable, and I'm just, I'm just over that. I'm just over, I'm over it. I'm over throwing everything away. But you, so you left the the nine to five. I you, did. You got your own shop here now. I but. did. I started. I was doing both modern cars and antiques, um, to hoping that, hoping that the modern stuff would pay the bills, and then I managed to, uh, just figure out how to live on ramen noodles and just do the antique stuff and not do brake jobs on new cars. I mean, there's compromise. I still build and, and fix stuff that I don't really, that doesn't, you know. Yeah, but you need to be your bread and butter to pay bills. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty like, I'm blessed. I mean, I'm able to do stuff that I tell people to go away. You know, I don't have a, you know, people are like, you don't have a website. You don't have a, you don't, you don't answer your phone. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm a, I'm a terrible business person. 
my work is good. Yeah, that, work speaks it. for yourself. That's the, it. And, the calling and, card is the and, car. And when I do a job, if you know somebody says, "Oh man, Sean's work is so expensive," doesn't hurt my feelings. Man, Sean is so slow, doesn't hurt my feelings. The only thing I care about is the quality of the work. So when it's all said and done, as long as the work is good, I'm happy. So, sounds like your clientele is of like a higher caliber then. They are, and, and they also end up becoming friends because we just end up, just you, you know, it's, you, you get a dude that understands. Like, you know, you just get a dude that, some, there's so many posers out there. Once you weed through those posers and mm -hmm. you've got guys that are just interested in the same thing you are, I've got a handful of customers that are, I, I would call friends now, that like, I got a blank check policy with them where they show up, drop something off, and they just do do whatever you're going to do. They know I'm looking out for their best interest. Yeah. They know that I'm trying to give them the most bang for the buck. So I've just built this little world where I just exist as this, you know, freak out in the woods doing these goofy cars. And it affords me equipment and parts and connections that nobody else has got. So I'm a mover and a shaker with, you know, no money in the bank. Speaking of connections, you had recently did an ad for Harley Davidson. Yeah, I was I was part of a, a, our Frozen Few, the, the Frozen Few thing. Um, through the race of gentlemen, we had uh, uh, connections with Harley Davidson. And then also from me doing the motorcycle cannonball, which I think we'll talk about mm -hmm, later. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a... There's, it's a, there's a small group of people that are into the really early American bikes. So I, I'm already sort of plugged in with those guys. Uh, our, our club went and did the 115th uh, birthday for Harley-Davidson. We did a, a race. We called it the uh, Bradford Beach Brawl. So we've been playing footsie with Harley-Davidson for years. And then got hooked up with Jason Momoa, uh, Aquaman, and he's there spokesperson mm -hmm. and he kind of liked what we were doing and we'd already sort of been again they knew us we knew them they we had a relationship and uh one of the guys from the club kind of put this thing together and another member of the club had bought we're a bunch of crazies this, the club the the oilers car club is a bunch of the same dudes it's everybody is super passionate about whatever they're into and we all managed to figure out how to get it done um, so there's a, there's a, they call it camp hanky panky. It's an old boy scout camp up in New York. So we went to the camp and sort of set it up as this big, it was a big set and they gave us side by sides with snow plows on the front and a camera crew and our motorcycles with studded tires. And we were like kids with shovels building our first BMX track. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. it was just a gang of adults with, I and mean, we had a caterer, <laughs> we, you know, we had, we had craft services. We had, uh, you know, we had all, uh, we had you know, the digital production team. We had all these guys. And then there's us frozen few guys with side-by-sides going, yeah, like we could, let's cut a trail through there and we'll make an oval track. And so we were just big kids with dirt bikes or, you know, with BMX bikes and shovels, except for, you know, it was on, on their dime. Mm -hmm. And we made this, uh, frozen few video and then of course COVID hits and we're all wearing uh like black bandanas to keep our faces warm because it's 12 degrees out and uh i'm like oh that'll work now everybody's wearing a mask it'll be fine and harley said ah, it's a little dark 
we're not really we're not really sure. So they sort of shelved it. And then Jason did the second part with a bunch of the club guys. I didn't go do this part. Um, uh, and they shot in the desert. So they cut the thing all together, and it just dropped last, like, three or four days ago. It looks great. Um, Jason's brilliant. Here, here's a dude that... Uh, that guy deserves everything he gets. Uh, he works harder. Um, it's going to be in his TV show, I'm sure. There was one part where there was a crash, and some real gnarly stuff happened, and that giant of a human being jumped in the air, was actually was ejected from a camera car, <laughs> ran it out in the air and landed on the ground and like tucked and rolled it, and we had a massive crash pile up camera car crash, and nobody got hurt because every single person in the crew was just athletic and kind of knew like how to fall. We all know how to fall down is what it was. And uh, it was that it was that was pretty early in the game, and it was at that moment that every one of us kind of looked at each other and were like, "Oh, this dude's our dude. Like Jason is just like us. He's he and giggle. You know what I mean? It's a big pile up, and everybody gets up. You okay? okay. Ha! That was awesome, and everybody was happy. <laughs> so it was one of those things that was like instantly, uh, all the psychopaths all like, "Whoa, cool! We can all do stupid stuff together and get paid." Um, and that was it. And I and I hope that. I hope it works for Harley. I hope they love this thing. I think it looks great. Um, but I don't know. That's you know how that that it's a big business. There's a lot of there's a lot of people in there and, and my vision of what the world should look like is obviously not is not normal. Yeah, it doesn't probably align with most people. Yeah. Then again, nobody else is probably aligns with others. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm not um so I don't know. I we'll we'll see. I, I I'm proud of it. I think it came out great. I'm thrilled to have made the connections that that um, I made with some of the you know some of the camera guys were really good and they you know action film camera guys that he brought from his world of being Aquaman um, and they were fun like we were doing we were doing um, we would set up shots and Jason would say Sean go go put guys where they need to be because I know where the tra how the trail goes and I know kind of, you know, the line we're going to take. So I would go set, set a camera guy up and I'd say, hey, you're going to sit right here because they won't hit you because they're going to go that way. You know what I mean? I, we, I would set the shot up with the camera dude and um, we, we got all sorts of fantastic stuff and the new cameras are so amazing. They play that stuff back for you. Instantly. Th instantly. Yeah. So it's there's this feedback loop of like, oh, hey, if I come in a little faster and do this, like it, it's really, it's just, it's the most, it's, it's so much fun to, to, to play that game. And then you got somebody who's, you got all these guys that are from action film. So they know what they're doing from jump. And, uh, all the, all the camera guys said, you know, uh, we're, we're, this is so much fun because when they're shooting movies, they're, they're trying to make something look dangerous. Mm -hmm. We were being foolish. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't being super foolish, but we've been doing this for, We've been doing Frozen Few for, I think, four or five years. So we've, as a, as a group of guys, we all know each other and know our limitations. So we all ride together, again, just like kids riding BMX bikes. You know what I mean? We, we, we've been banging bars with each other since we were since we were 13 years old. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, we, we, mm -hmm. we know it. So you put us together as a crew. This isn't some set where this guy doesn't know this guy and it's their first day working together. Do you know what I mean? It's this, an organized it, it's chaos. A, it's a, cr right. Yeah. It's a crew. And we know just how 
we know just how far to push it um, and, and, you know, be able to make it for home for supper. So we, we had a great time. And I think, I think that reads, you know what I mean? I think when you see the, anything that people who are really passionate about something, people who are really doing it, you can fake it. You can CGI it. You can do all that stuff. I think it really reads when you, when you've got somebody who that's really, that's. Oh, absolutely. And the dudes are riding their own bikes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a guy who's riding his bike. I'm telling you, there's nothing. One, once you've once you've had that relationship with the motorcycle long enough, where you know you know its quirks and you know what it how it's going to respond. That's way different than getting dropped on something on Monday and they say, okay, you know, this afternoon we're going to shoot a scene and you're going to do X, Y, and Z. It's our bikes. It's our stuff. We know what it'll do. Yeah, you know what. You know where to put the choke lever. Yeah. Yeah. How much yeah. choke to apply. Yeah. You understand the machine inside and out. And know it's um limitations. It's limitations, and it's uh so- sometimes you find stuff that it can do that kind of you didn't think it could. Mm-hmm. You know, you're riding a fl- foot clutch motorcycle, and th- that that freaks a lot of people out because it's just it's so alien. And then after you've ridden a foot clutch motorcycle for a long time, it just Again, it's just like a regular motorcycle. It becomes second nature. And you start to do stuff where you know just how low you can, how much you can lug the thing before it'll stall. So, you know, ride up and ride to this like really sort of slow and, and chop the wheel and, and bump the throttle to get, you're, we're in snow and ice, mm-hmm. get the, tur- the back tire turning and use the slip of the back tire to allow you to go slowly in, you know, uh, we're all riding in together as a pack. Well, I'm not trying to push the clutch in and come to a stop. We're all trying to fucking tighten it up. You know, you just being able to slip that back wheel and pitch it out sideways a little to scrub off some speed versus to step on the brake, you know? Mm-hmm. And it looks, it, it, again, it looks like you know what you're doing because you know it's what your doing. motorcycle, yeah. dude. You know what you're doing. You you and that bike have been together for hours and hours and hours, and it's... uh. Again, like you, you learn some little trick, and it, it just—it looks that much slicker than pushing the clutch in and stepping on the brake. Yeah, you know. And everybody, again, we're kids, we're grown kids on BMX bikes, trying to do a cooler trick than the our our, our butt. <laughs> so if you can pull some little maneuver where the bike looks, you know, it looks a little slicker. You come in to the group a little faster and you bump like we were doing this we were doing this one shot um we're all inside the the mess hall it's an old boy scout camp so this is a giant mess hall mm-hmm. we've got all the bikes inside the mess hall and we start the bikes up inside the mess hall and ride out through the through the door and down the ramp well we they put down all rubber mats like those you know anti-fatigue mats mm-hmm. well the first guy of course he goes kind of slow the second guy, he's a little, you know, the, the first guy pulls away from him an inch. He's got to get that inch, you know? <laughs> so by the fourth and fifth dude, these mats are in a fucking heap because everybody's smashing the throttle yeah. and things are going fine. So I'm, I'm riding and there's a big pile of mats and I'm like towards the back of the pack trying to come out of the building and you're duck walking. You know what I mean? We're walking the bike trying to get it closer to the door. So we can all just go for it. And uh, the big pile of mats is in front of me. And my buddy behind me knows I can't like walk it over the mats. And he sees me put my pick my feet up, then the mat pile. So he just hits me. 
boop, <laughs> and sort of shoots me over the top of the pile of mats, and out the door I go, and it's all good. Well, we come back inside, and one of the, I don't remember if it was a camera guy or somebody assistant was like, dude, he hit you. I was like, yeah, it worked out pretty good. Like, I kind of needed a little, little bump to get me over the mat. And he goes, he's like, oh, I thought, like, you were going to be mad that he hit you. I was like, no, I think he knew if I didn't get a little push, I was going to get hung up on those mats. So it was like, hey, bro, here's a little shove. Get moving. And it's that. It's like when you've been riding together long enough that not only are you looking out for you, like, my homeboy behind me was like, I don't want Sean to get stuck on that pile of mats. He's not going fast enough yet. And he and he just picked his feet up and he's just rolling. I'm gonna give him a little tap. Like that's dude, that's magic. When you're riding with we, we do goofy stuff like reach over and grab each other's handlebars as you're coming through a corner and people flip. Yeah. It's you're doing it so long that it becomes, like I said, second nature. We were doing a flat track on the ice and they wanted somebody to drive the camera car. So Brian, one of my buddies in the club says, look, Sean drives the camera car. They wanted none of the riders want some stranger driving the camera car. It's got a fucking snow plow on the front of it. Like nobody wants to get hit by this yeah. kind of thing. So Brian says, Sean drives, Sean drives. So right, I'll drive the camera car. We're driving. And I said, I want to take the inside line this camera car is not as fast as the bikes, but I think if I start on turn three, I can go three down the straightaway, catch four, come through turn four with the pack, and then they're all going to get away from me, and then I'll go back to turn three and wait, and the next lap around, I'll, I'll get them so I can actually run with the pack. So we're running this thing. I'm taking the inside line, and I'm full locked out, drifting, coming around the corner, and... uh Brian and I are just looking at each other, like eye contact. If Brian looks away, I know he's like, uh-oh, so I back out. If he sees me look away, he knows, uh-oh, I don't have no more. He backs yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So him and I do, I don't know, six or seven laps like this. There's no verbal communication. There's no nothing. We get to the point where he's putting the handlebar of the bike almost into the camera car, <laughs> and the camera guy gets comfortable enough. He's hanging out of the side of the car, and like going down low, like watching the, the chain, like it just gets to this point where you've got two people that have been playing this goofy game for long enough. They're not, you're not, you're connected. He knows how to ride that bike. I know, I know what he knows. How, like I, I got confident. We've got confidence in each other and there's no, we're just not strangers. You know what I'm saying? It's mm -hmm. just a different, so different work environment. We've all been doing this stupid thing for long enough. And I don't want to say it like uh, you, you put yourself in a put yourself in a high stress situation with a bunch of your friends. You're gonna find out which guys are solid and which guys aren't. And we flushed plenty of people out of the group that weren't solid. Um, Sounds like you're more of a team. Yeah, club. it's it's um. I don't again. I don't want to say it's like war, but it's like a war buddy. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? You've done something. You've done a bunch of poorly planned stupid things uh with a bunch of guys that are just like hey we're gonna figure out how to make this happen so we we i i, I like i slept on the ground with these guys before do you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. we're that's it's a, a brotherhood yeah almost. it really becomes it really changes the the dynamic and i think that reads and i think like when you've got a team like that it's just 
it's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. It's well, the first time we did that frozen few thing. We're in Canada. I think it was, I think it was like twenty below zero, dude. It was fucking miserable. It sounds like a, a consistent cold. It was. It was a kind of. It was. It was so fucking cold that you couldn't like bikes wouldn't start. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Good running bikes. Like we would sit the bike in front of the salamander heater, try to get the oil warm enough so that it would flow, get the bike running. We would all, as a group, push start the bike, and then dude would have to sit there, keep the bike running while we got another one running. <laughs> oh, it was awful. After you do that f- with these guys for a while, you're, you're homeboys. You're, you're, they're, your, they're your brothers. So when that day is all over, and you go back to the hotel... It just, it's, you're bonded. You're stuck. You know what I mean? Any one of these guys, you call them, I could call them up in the middle of the night. Hey, I need you to come get me. You know what I'm saying? I just, you know that these dudes are your, same thing, man. We're 13 year old boys on BMX bikes. It's the same. It's your crew from when you were a kid. We just are bigger with a little bit, a little bit of a budget. So you eventually, well, not eventually, but you uh, probably took the BMX bike and, Put it into the second position, or placed it with the motorcycle for bike one, right? What's that? Like you were, you're, you grew out of a bicycle, or you you graduated from a bicycle to a motorcycle. Yeah, the 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 bicycle was my. I did terrible in school. Uh, I'm dyslexic. I couldn't read and write for a long time. Um, school was awful for me, but I was good on a bicycle. So it's one of those things you sort of double down on the stuff you're good at. So that was like the bicycle was my freedom machine, you know. And it was my it was my way of my way to escape the fact that I sucked at everything else. And then that turned into motorcycles, and motorcycles were just it just takes it to another it's just another level, you know what I mean? You're you're it's faster. It's I did both for a while though. Like as a kid I raced raced motocross, still 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 was on a bicycle. You know, every day, every day, bicycle, motorcycle, bicycle. I just couldn't get in. Man, I used to turn the outside lights on around our house and ride the dirt bike around the house until my, fu- you know, and until it's ten o'clock at night. My old man's like, I can't, listen, can't to that listen to that fucking anymore. thing anymore. You got to come inside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I slept with a helmet on. You know what I mean? It was that was it was it was I was it it was all that was the my whole universe was motorcycles and. Really, as a kid, thought I was going to be a professional motocross racer, and one of the older kids that I rode with, who was the fastest thing we knew, he made it all the way to doing uh, arena cross, and uh, raced for like a year like that. And this is all pre-internet, so you know I'd see his his in the magazines. I'd see where he was placing, and he top fifteen, top ten, top fifteen. Um, he got hurt, came back home, and I saw him. And I'm like, hey, dude, like, you know, what's up? You going back? No, I'm going to get a job doing sheetrock. What the fuck, dude? You like, you made it. And he goes, nah, man, top three dudes, they lapped me twice. They're so much faster than I am. I just, I can't get there. And it was like my whole world unraveled. Like, holy shit, here's a dude that is faster than me by quite a bit. The reality of like, kid, you're not that fucking fast Mm -hmm. uh, hit me. And then it was... Then I had to figure out what I was going to be. And I had always turned, I'd always been a mechanic to keep the bikes running, you know, build go-karts and that shit. Um, that never was my, 
that was never my career choice. It was, I always thought I was going to be the rider. <laughs> Turns out I'm a better wrench than a rider. So, and you know what? It, it, it probably physically saved, you know what I mean? Like that dude is all banged up now, broken fucking collarbones and legs. And, you know, I, I managed to avoid that by, by high school. I was like, oh, I, I'm not going to be a pro rider. Okay. But you found a way to stay in, in the circle. Or yeah, you're, yeah. In the, you're in the pit. You're yeah. in the pit. You're yeah. actually and, in the pit. Yeah. And you know, the neat thing about the, about messing with the old stuff is that, um, if you're racing new motocross bikes, new bike comes out every year. Yes. And after two years, the bike you've got is, you're not competitive anymore with the antique stuff. You can take like this COVID. We took a year off. Everything went on pause for a year. Well, if I was racing motocross, there's a, the potential is my race bike would have been outdated. Mm -hmm. With this old stuff, you can take 10 years off and show up and you're still still in the hunt, you know? Um, so it's good for old fat guys, you know what I mean? It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a and, it, and it slows the, I'm not that good. So it's, it slows everything down. The fact that the bike sort of handicaps the game, um, it works. And you look, you look cool because you're riding some old relic and people are like, wow, he's really going fast on that old relic. Dude, if I was on a brand new, you know, it ain't Nitro Circus mm -hmm. what we're doing. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, we're not that good and we're not, knock on wood, we're not going to the hospital like those guys because we're not going that fast. Well, so you do have antique stuff in here. Yeah. You have some vintage and veteran bikes in here. Yes. Uh that's a whole other tiny little nutshell in the back corner of motorcycling. Having single cylinder pre-war bikes, well, give or take pre-war bikes, and still using them, still riding them, and still maintaining them, and still trying to find parts for them and what have you. It's pretty cool stuff to see, like single cylinder. Uh, is that a Merkel? Merkel, Merkel yeah. in there. There's a Merkel in there. Nobody has that. No, I mean... Uh... Well, not nobody, but all your friends have that stuff, but... <laughs> <laughs> the, the 20 idiots I hang around yeah, yeah, don't yeah. have it, and the rest of the world doesn't know what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we rolled, when we did the first motorcycle cannonball, um, you know, you'd arrive places, and people didn't know what you were on. They didn't know, they didn't even recognize it. You know, I had a, I had, I've had more than one time somebody think it was a bicycle that I put an engine yeah. in. Yeah. And, uh, or, or I rode, or one time I was riding, not on the cannonball, just locally riding. And some guy came over and he's like, oh man, that's great. Uh, I just found one. And I said, oh, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, where? where? <laughs> and he's like, he's telling me and he's going on. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, dude, like bring me to it. Like, uh, what, what do we got to do? Like, let's make a deal. I want to buy this fucking thing. And, and we're talking and talking. And it becomes clear to me within a few minutes, but it really took minutes. He bought a fucking moped. Yeah. This dude bought a 70s moped and he's looking at my 1911 Indian and thinks they're the same fucking thing. And God bless him that he was excited about his moped because that's f fucking cool or whatever. But most people don't. There's some nuance there that most people don't pick up on. It's just like old bicycles. You know, I, I, I've always liked safety bicycles. I, I've ridden 1800s, 1896 safety bicycles, and I'm riding this 1800s bicycle. And somebody thinks it's a, you know, a single speed bike from the seventies and you're trying to explain to him, no, no, this bike's from before the turn of the century. Well, it looks just like a regular bike. Well, yeah, it's got wooden wheels, dude. You didn't notice the wooden wheels, but 
but but there's in, it just in everything. And I, I'm sure that I've in, I've said stupid stuff to somebody who's in, into electric guitars because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a wild um. The early motorcycle thing is neat. Uh, to ride them, the novelty of riding them <laughs> wears off pretty quick because they're so anemic. Um, the race shit that I've been lucky enough to play with is amazing. The difference between early race stuff and early production stuff, it's night and day. They were building tractors to sell to the general public. Mm -hmm. And then they built race stuff. So if you're around, and, and the race stuff is so expensive and so rare, it really takes a while. I mean, I was into the antique motorcycle hobby for years before I really got got my hands on anything that was factory race stuff. Once you fuck with the factory race stuff, you realize, oh, they knew how to do it. They just didn't do it because they were trying to sell these things to the general public. And, and there was no need for them to go 100. You know, you're on a cow trail somewhere. The, you need, the thing needed to run on lousy fuel and start up easy. They weren't trying to build a, a board tracker. You get into the, like, the factory board track stuff, it's my, it, it'll blow your mind. And it's terrifying how powerful and fast the stuff was in 1910, 1911. Like, stupid. They were running 100 pounds of air pressure in, in tires. to Wow. Because they're clinchers. They're not... They're not a drop center. So to keep the tires on the rim, you need a lot of pressure. So they would, they would like use hockey tape, well, friction tape, tape the tires on, and then run 100 pounds of air pressure on it to keep them on the rim because when you come into a corner, they're putting on that kind of side. You roll them off. Jesus Christ, on oily two-by-fours laid on their side. Like, yeah, at 100 PSI, that's oh, rock hard. Oh, my God. And the tires, you know. They, they came apart. They were garbage. <laughs> just like the craziest shit. Somebody said, oh, you know, I, the first dude who figured out like, oh, you know, if you just take the throttle plate out of the carburetor, it flows better. Like that dude, like, who is that guy mm -hmm. who's like, yeah, wide open is all I need. I'm good. <laughs> they That's what they did. Yeah. They would run. They'd pull start the things. No clutch. Direct drive. No throttle. Just wide open with a mag kill. But the pipes are so short, you push the mag kill, it just pumps fuel out onto your pant leg and then lights it on fire when you when you pop the thing off. Everything's soaked in oil, and you're wearing a fucking sweater as protection against the, the you know foot-long splinters you're going down on top of. They were crazies. They were absolute, like, those board track dudes were out of their minds crazies. So not to backpedal a little bit, um but the frozen few yep. is a more of a, a spectacle event versus the cannonball is like a, well, the cannonball is a cross country ride that happens every year that leaves every on the, two years. every two years. Excuse yeah. me. It ha it starts in a different place in the East yep. coast and heads West and the, it's bikes that are over a hundred years old. So the, the, so is that a motorcycle running outside? Sounds like it. It's crazy. Like here we are talking motorcycles and it's, Dark and cold out, and people are riding. Good for you, whoever you are. Um, the The frozen few came out of. We were trying to make another event like the race of gentlemen, but the problem with the frozen few is how do you get people to show? It's easy to get people to. The race of gentlemen's on the beach, by the way. I don't know if everybody knows what this is. I assume because I'm so self absorbed that everybody <laughs> knows what the race of gentlemen is. But the race of gentlemen is on the beach, 
So it's easy to get your uh, wife and girlfriend to show up to watch cars race on the beach. We never figured out how to get the wives and girlfriends to come watch us play in the snow because it's not as much fun to stand, you know, in, in a pile of snow at, you know, 15 degrees out. Yeah, and your feet so, are cold. Yeah, so the, so the Frozen Few never has turned into a spectator event. It's always been um, sort of a private thing that we did, and then we would film it and use the use that as a way to promote whatever sponsor was footing the bill for our stupidity. Um, the Cannonball is was Lonnie Isom Jr.'s brainchild, and it is... He started out, it was pre-15, and then the second one, I think he went into the 20s, and then the third one, I think he went to 30, yeah, 36 on the third Cannonball. I did the first and the third. No, really? Yeah, uh, and then I think they did, He they were taking two years. Every every other year they do it. I think he did one more, and then Lonnie passed a few years ago. Uh, he had a brain tumor, and we lost Lonnie. So he had sold the event to somebody else, and I haven't really participated in it again since the third one. Um, and they start in different places. And it, it was funny, the, the first one <clears throat> we were online, and we kind of figured it out as a group. And the reason that we were going, we, we started in uh, Kitty Hawk, North Carolina, and went to Santa Monica was time zones. You pick up time. So it was like the, the question was, which direction do we go? And then when somebody said, well, you know, you, you pick up an hour when you cross these time zones. Well, that was it. We Okay, so we always start on this coast and, and go west. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was, it was, there was, there was a message board when we, for, for the first one, and we kind of hashed out like, hey, what's the route? How many miles should we do every day? Like, as a community, because it really was just sort of the key players in early motorcycles, did the first one. And... And even on the event, during the event, and I had gotten in a beef with with Lonnie, rest his soul, about some of the rules of the event. Well, we start the thing, I think we were four or five days into the thing, and we changed the rules be, be, <laughs> d during the event. And like everybody had a meeting, we sat down in a, some motorcycle dealership somewhere and um, modified the rules of the event, uh, which was kind of neat, you know what I mean? Because it was... Again, just a bunch of, in the, the first one especially, it was just a bunch of guys that all knew each other that kind of just needed an excuse to do something stupid. I mean, come on, dude. He said he he came into the motorhome. We were at Rhinebeck for the swap meet at Rhinebeck. And Lonnie Jr. comes into, the, into our motorhome and he says, hey, would you ride cross country on a pre-15 bike? I said, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, dude. <laughs> And he said, okay, well, what would you do it on? I said, I would do it on the most awful fucking thing I could think of. He said, what do you mean? I was like, well, I think like a, I think if it's pre-15, like a, a JD Harley, a 15 JD would like do it. It would be a good bike. Like you could actually really do it. I think I want to do it on a single cylinder, single speed, like Indian or a Harley, maybe not atmospheric valve, but like pretty shitty. I want something that just barely could do it wow you're, and uh, you're a glutton for yeah, punishment I'm an idiot. I mean, look around you dude that's i mean yeah i'm a well like the the event in itself is like an undertaking let alone you're trying to really just just invent the wheel yeah i tr i i uh 
it, 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 that thing was that, that the first one, there are days I have no recollection of because we would ride in the sun all day. You know, you're not eating, you're not, you, you couldn't. Cause if you stopped, we're going so slow. If you stop, you can never make up time like this notion like when we first started thinking about it like well you could hit a hardware store if you had to get like a nut or a bolt or you could do this you could do that when you got out there you realized no dude no you got to go 200 miles and 200 miles and this fucking thing you're riding it goes 46 miles an hour and it's vibrating apart it's falling apart underneath yeah. you and it goes 40 fucking six you're not stopping for anything we, we, within, somebody's going to, I mean, don't tell my insurance company, but within the first day or so, we realized, oh, fuck stop signs and, and red lights because you, that extra little bit to slow down and stop. And we would cut, like, if there was a gas station on a, you know, in a four-way intersection, mm -hmm. you're only going 40. I just roll through the fucking gas station and cut the intersection out across people's yards, <laughs> uh, sidewalks. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you pretty quickly learned like, now nah, the rules can't apply to me because I'll never make it. If I, if I, if I go it, it, every time you stop now, okay, now I got to get this fucking turd up to speed and, and in and out of traffic and oh man, it was, it was, and then they broke every, I, yeah. every day. I've seen uh, photos over the years coming out of like JB Weld fully saving the day. Oh yeah, dude! I I rolled into was a, and and then bizarre th shit would happen, like really bizarre stuff. It's sixteen days of riding, one day off, so seventeen days on the road. Um, I'm riding along, and uh, Michael Lickner's in front of me on the back of Carl from uh, Carl Cycle Supply. Oh, cool. He's got like a panheader. I think it was a panhead that year. And they made this thing where, uh, so Michael could sit backwards to take pictures. Oh, neat. So Carl's riding forwards, and then Michael's sitting basically on the back fender towards us with the camera. And uh, we, we're almost, I think we're almost to like the dinner time stop. It's the end of the day. So we're in like t a town, and... We come through a, a four-way intersection and Michael starts pointing at me and we like roll up to a stop and he goes, hey man, that thing just puked a ton of oil. Uh-oh. Oh shit. I said, okay, hang on. I, so I stop and I look and uh, yeah, the, 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 the bike's got a valve, a uh, petcock to drain the oil out of the crankcase because they sump. If you let them sit for a while, all the oil from the bag from the tank goes into the bottom end and they mm -hmm. overfill. Mm -hmm. So you basically got to dump them all the time. So it's just got a little pet cock on the bottom. Well, the thing must have vibrated and fell out and dumped the everything in the bottom end of my bike out onto the road. Well, there's a gas station right there in the corner. I push it into the gas station, and Carl looks at me and he goes, "What? What is it?" I said, "It's like a quarter twenty pipe thread." He reaches in his pocket and pulls out a fucking quarter twenty pipe plug and hands it to me. There you go. <laughs> I, said, I said, "Carl, what the fuck do you have that for?" Oh. Somebody had needed something for something, and, and there was two sizes, and I just went to the hardware store, and I got both, or I had an extra one or whatever. But, yeah. Like, it was just one of those things. He just happened to have one in his pocket. I put the thing in. I fill my gas tank. I pump the emergency oil pump on the bag, and off we go again. And I'm thinking to myself, if Michael hadn't noticed that the oil had dumped out, 
I probably would have locked up the motor. Mm -hmm. If Carl didn't have that pipe plug in his pocket, I would have had to figure out a way to, 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 you know, I'd have been whittling down a stick and jamming it mm -hmm. in. There mm -hmm. But it didn't go down that way. <laughs> it was like, whatever, you know, whatever gods were, were smiling down on me and it just worked. And it was, there was moments like that on the cannonball that were really bad stuff happened like that. Like I was, I pulled over to help somebody and a big truck went by and the wind from the truck going by blew my motorcycle over and it like slid down an embankment. Oh man. Oh no. Like, like, you know what I mean? There was, there was, there was moments where you're like, whoa, that was, or guys, you just make stupid mistakes because you were overtired. Mm -hmm. And then stuff like that would happen that you'd just be like, I can't even, what, how did the stars align to, to save me in that situation? But man, there was days I don't remember. It was, you, you didn't sleep. You rode all day, fixed fixed it as you went, bubble gummed it together, then got back to the hotel wherever you were staying, and then tried to prepare yourself for the next day. And then off you went at seven o'clock in the morning to try to get, you know, two hundred miles out of this piece of shit. <laughs> Dude, it was it was fucking and oil. You know, they're they're total loss oil. Mm -hmm. So total loss oil, you know, total loss oil. Oh, okay, so I'm gonna use a couple quarts of oil every day. Yeah, I'm using four fucking quarts of oil every day, plus whatever was in the you know was in the bag to start. I'm spending more every day on. I would spend five dollars on oil and two dollars on gas every time <laughs> I stop. <laughs> and in the beginning, I had like I had special ordered. I had special ordered this you know zinc filled non detergent thirty weight and fifty weight. I had all different. Had all my fucking special oils and. Halfway through the cannonball, anything you any oil is better than no oil. Right. Anything you can <laughs> fucking find, baby. Yeah, yeah. It was like in the it, or we'd roll into Harley dealerships and buy every buy buy them out. Whoever got there first, you know what I mean. The Harley guys, the dealerships, like you guys just wiped us out. Yeah, man, because tough. We're gonna use it all. <laughs> all of it. Yeah. But the other thing was wild too is, uh, we had these stupid root sheets. Like, like it wasn't bad enough what we're, that we were riding these pieces of crap. We also had to navigate, like, like add insult to injury. Anyway, we've got these goofy root sheets. Well, you'd get fucked up. And the moment, and, and the, the root sheet would read, like, uh, at church, at, at, at 6.7 miles at church, turn left. Then at, so they weren't using, like, street names and shit like that. So you you couldn't backtrack and figure it out. You'd show some local your root sheet and they would say, what cryptic bullshit is this? I don't know where the <laughs> fuck you are. So um, you, you, were, you became very aware that if you made a mistake, it was going to cost you. So you got really, really hyper-focused on not missing a turn. You'd roll up, and me, I'm in the slowest class, so you roll up to stop signs and you'd look on the ground and you'd see where the oil all the drips where they went. Yes. You knew where you knew breadcrumbs. Yep, you knew you were on track because the guys in front of you were leaking fucking oil everywhere, and you knew, you knew where to go. It was it was it was a it was a fucking great experience. We had a lot of fun. Um, made same thing. Made friends that are like friends forever. Slept on the ground again. Dale, we talked about before mm -hmm. from Wheels Through Time. Dale was. We just lost him three weeks ago. I missed that guy already. He was he was he was a different kind of human. I remember the like one of the first nights. 
He would show up. He would disappear on his 15 Harley, come back with beer, cigars, and pizza. That's quite the load. Riding on his lap. Yeah. At like 11, 12 o'clock at night in some town I'd never been in in my life. So we're in, you know, Pig's Knuckle, Arkansas, and the dude just like disappears on his bike. We're trying to keep our shit running, and homeboy's out like looking for the pizza spot. He's Uber delivery. Yeah. <laughs> so he'd roll in with pizza and beer, and he's, oh, here you guys go. Dale, where did you find this? Thank God, because we hadn't eaten. He'd shovel, shovel some fucking pizza in and back to wrenching. And I remember one one of the first nights I said, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm done. It's like 2 in the morning. I'm going in. I got my stuff. I'm going to go in the hotel. Dale's like, yeah, I'm going to crash. I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go to bed, too. I saw you. You're not staying at this hotel? He said, yeah, out of your mind, it stinks in there. I sleep outside. I said, what? He says, look at how nice it is out here. You're going to go sleep in that bed that 100 other people have slept in this month. Dude, it's beautiful outside. You're, you're out of your, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I remember like, he kind of has a point. You know what I'm He slept on the ground. He'd get a hotel every now and then for a shower. But that dude slept on the ground next to his motorcycle for 15 days. It's almost like the event was the best case scenario for these motorcycles for what they were not intended for. Like the roads that they were coming up on weren't paved. And there wasn't really a direct route between every city and every town. And let alone having GPS and whatnot. So like these bikes are kind of like almost like on holiday or vacation compared to what they were designed for. Yeah, but yes, but the thing that we nobody had ever really I don't want to say nobody. The thing that most of us hadn't thought of, every one of us that was in the hobby had built motorcycles before. But we built them to bring to events, and we ride them around in a parking lot. You ride it three miles. You don't, you're not doing a 200-mile day. That's awesome, by the way, in itself. What, riding 200 <laughs> miles in a... Hey, like, on a, 200 miles, like, on a regular bike, yeah, it can be done. You might get up and like, I'm a little sore. But doing it on something that essentially doesn't have any suspension and the tire is everything yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the thing that we didn't really hadn't really thought of is these bikes were never designed to turn those kind of let's just say RPMs especially my bike being it was single speed okay they were never designed to turn those kind of RPMs for a sustained amount of time okay yeah you didn't have the roads so yeah the bike can go sixty but it goes sixty for a spurt mm-hmm. and then it, do you know what I'm saying they, yeah. they never you weren't gonna like my bike will go sixty Two sixty-three miles an hour, it comes unglued. It <laughs> literally just fucking pieces start falling off. It's good for a minute, but it you can't sustain it. So the oiling systems, all those oiling systems where they either drip or they're these little like plunger pump kind of deals, they're okay until you get crankcase pressure above a certain point. And we know this because all the board track racers all have a hand pump. Because the hand pump over will overpower the crankcase pressure okay. at, at RPM. So a lot of people had problems with running out of oil simply because they were turning at a high enough RPM that it would basically disable their little the little check valve in the plunger pump didn't have enough ass to to over overpower the crankcase pressure and they'd run out of oil. And the drip oil wouldn't work because, again, the gravity, the amount of... And it would also depend on how thick the oil was, how much was in the tank. So you had these people struggling with worn-out parts running at higher RPMs that they'd they'd ever really run before. 
and the fact that we were just all novices. Everybody was new. You know, there's a few people that had done these, you know, cannibal runs in our lifetime, but the majority of us, this was our first go at this. And I mean, my bike had 10 miles on it, 20 miles on it when I set out on like in order to build the bike, come up with enough money to, to go do the event, all, all those things. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time to, you know what I mean? I just barely got the bike sorted out when I got there. So there wasn't a lot. And it was weird. So that was the first one. I go to the third one and I'm thinking, well, the bikes are more modern and people have had time. Mm -hmm. There was just as many breakdowns on the third one as there was on the first. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nailed it. It was, it was like, I, I come to the third one and I'm like, okay, we all know how to do this now. We're going to be good. And then day one, there's just, just bikes broken everywhere. And I'm like, oh man, we real. this is still difficult. It's still not easy to do. It's kind of like how they were evolving every year. Yes. Figuring out like, well, that didn't work in this year. Next year, we're going to do it this way. But <laughs> yeah. they, they actually upgraded and went along. You you crazies decide, now nah, we're going to stay with the same machine. Well, we, we did, we did, they did modernize the bikes, you know, over the, over time. But as the, as the bikes got more modern, the distances got greater. Mm -hmm. So yes. the event got more complex in that sense is that, and we would do, the other thing was funny was like on the first one, we would get to points where, we, where there was one day, it's pouring rain out, pouring fucking rain. And uh, I wrapped my Magneto in a plastic bag. And uh, I, there's, some, there's some video that was on YouTube for a while that everybody was like, kept sending me. It was me running around giddy going, mag in a bag, mag in a bag, mag in a bag. I got a plastic bag on for a rain gear and I've got a Ziploc bag around my Magneto. And I'm like psyched to go ride in the rain because I had to, I had to get myself like, I had to pump myself up to go mm -hmm. do something stupid. There's no money. There's no, you know what I mean? Like, the fuck, dude? Just go home. There's, there's no, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck are you go trying home. to prove? Just go home. So uh, off I go, uh, you know, pouring rain, and we get to this one spot, and there's somebody standing in the road telling us all to stop. They put us into this gas station, this poor gas station. There's 50 wet bikers inside this little gas station, it smelled like fucking gym socks. The windows steamed up from all the because we're all soaking wet. Yeah. And they say, listen, the road ahead's washed out. They've been trying to keep us off the highways. Road ahead's washed out. Um, we can we got a trailer coming. You can load all the bikes on the trailer and we'll haul you to the next spot. Or you can get on the highway here, go three exits, get off at exit 37, whatever it was, and you're gonna be in on such and such page of your route sheet you'll be right back on track so they look at me my buddy that's riding with me looks at me and says what do you want to do i said three exits fuck it dude let's I, I gotta ride right i gotta ride this is i came out here to do this i don't mind being i'm already wet you know what i mean fuck it dude i want to go he's like yeah 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 another guy yeah yeah okay so now we got a group of idiots that we're all like hyping each other up we get out on the bikes we get out on the highway and we're riding in the breakdown lane there is no bullshit three inches of water in the breakdown lane. Wow. It's just fucking pouring. And uh, it's a bad idea. And I see the sign says next exit, 36 miles. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck. I forgot. I'm from Rhode Island. Yeah. Three exits means nothing. 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 You're out in the Midwest <laughs> somewhere. Three exits is it. It was like fucking 80 miles. We're 80 miles on this fucking highway. Almost getting killed by 
every tractor trailer truck that goes by and one of this, this we're coming over like a viaduct and i'm thinking to myself man this is not, this is the spot where you get a flat tire and you're pinned between a guardrail and and getting wiped out by a tractor trailer truck and as, as i'm thinking that my buddy jim in front of me his back tire blows out and he goes we get over the top of the bridge the guardrail goes away he goes down the embankment down the grass down into the gully wow and as I go by, he sort of gives me the thumbs up, like I'm good. I'm thinking, dude, the f- for nothing. Do you know what I mean? We're doing this just for the joy of it. F- yeah, like what? The- Get back to the hotel, and now they've loaded him up. He beats me to the hotel. Get back to the hotel, and he's like, dude, my life flashed before me when that happened. I said, bro, your life flashed before me while I watched <laughs> you fucking do it. It was there was more moments like that on that on that event of just. Sketchy at 35 miles an hour. You know what I mean? We're not doing anything. It shouldn't be dangerous, but the machinery is so antiquated and the rest of the world is moving so fast and so oblivious to the fact that mm-hmm. I'm riding a hundred year old piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like driving old cars. You know, drive, you know, drive a Model T on the fucking roads yeah. today. People pull out in front of you and jam on their brakes. Yeah, the thing don't go that fast, but it also doesn't stop that fast. Th- that's why I got rid of mine. I wasn't driving it as like a daily driver, but I was driving it during the week, if that makes any sense. Yes, yeah. And like just driving in regular traffic was like, it was a nightmare because like you can't stop as fast as anybody else can. I was like, I got to get rid of this thing. They're perfectly, it's a perfectly adequate piece of machinery if everybody else is driving the same piece of machinery. Yeah, it could stop just as slow or well, right. slow down, not right. even stop. And, and that was that was the motorcycle cannonball was that what we were on was such trash yeah. that ooh, I remember we're, I'm, we're doing some mountain pass. And again, I, I say I remember. I, I have I have days. I have days that I, I don't have a recollection of the I just don't know where I was. I was. They all blend together. Yeah, you're in the zone. Oh, I'm not. I don't know. I don't know where I was. But I, <laughs> um, we're doing this mountain pass, and there's a guy riding along next to me on a, a modern Ducati, and uh, we're just chugging. And the thing says, you know, next four miles, fifteen, you know, whatever the grade is. It's 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 a mountain. We're doing these fucking switchbacks. It's we're crossing the mountains, and uh, dude on the fucking Ducati next to me is like, I'm riding alongside of you. I said, it's going to get slow, dude. It's going to get real slow. <laughs> and I said, I'll walk this motherfucker over the top if I have to. Like, it's going to get that bad. And uh, he's like, no, no, I'm riding with you. I said, okay. So we get going, get, you know, as we get closer and closer to the top, uh, you know, everybody listening probably doesn't know, but early motorcycles are pedal start. So basically they took a bicycle and they did stick an engine on it. And in my my 11 has pedals like a bicycle. That's how you start it. And it's got a coaster brake like a bicycle. That's how you stop it. So as the grade starts to get steeper and steeper and I'm running out of steam, you slip the clutch. That's actually your gearboxes. They put a massive clutch in the thing. So you slip the clutch to keep your RPMs up mm-hmm. in order to, which just creates heat and friction and wears everything out, but it does work. Um, so I'm slipping the shit out of the clutch and pedaling. You know, I'm Lance Armstrong in this fucking turd over the top of the mountain. We get to the, the the crest of this thing, and the dude on the Ducati is like fist pumping and just, he's out of his mind thrilled. I'm gassed out. <laughs> yeah, you're totally burnt. I'm fucking wasted. And this dude is like doing my celebration for me. And I, I remember like looking at the dude, and he was like, oh, man, that was great. That was, that was fantastic. Okay, see ya. Off he goes. <laughs> Good brakes and all. You know what I mean? He's going down the other side of this thing fast. Now I'm dragging my feet coming down the other side because I'm afraid it's gonna run away from me. Yeah, yeah. You know, my I really have shit for brakes. 
but it was just it was it was one of those you had these moments you know what i mean i had a moment with some dude i don't know who he is but i'm sure he remembers that minute like that we went over the top of that he went over the top of that mountain with that idiot pedaling his bicycle with an engine on it mm-hmm. um we went to uh <laughs> i was completely completely like cooked from the sun i rode into this town in uh arizona oatman arizona you ever heard of this place no all right it's on route 66 in arizona there's this town called oatman and it's an old gold gold mining town okay and then when they left the gold mining town they never did anything with it so it's like the saloons have swinging doors that are right on the road they let the donkeys the burrows whatever that they use to haul the gold carts they just let them loose so there's all these feral donkeys that come into the bars and people feed them at the bar hmm. and they do, it's like a wild west tourist trap they do like a shootout in the oh, street yeah, at three. Yeah. Okay. okay so it's a it's a it's a movie set mm-hmm. so i come through this you know on route 66 down into this oatman arizona and i like pull in and i'm like i thought i thought i crashed i thought i was dead i like i hit my head something's wrong why are there donkeys everywhere in the street? Like, what is this Wild West town thing that I'm in? Like, where where the fuck am I? So I just stop in the middle of the road, and I'm, like, looking at these donkeys everywhere. And someone shouts my name. Sean! Fuck. I look. Two guys come out of a bar. I don't, I don't know who they are. No idea. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, We've been waiting for you. We've been following you on the internet, and we flew out. We're from Bristol, Rhode Island, and we flew out. We wanted to catch you. We've been sitting in this bar waiting for you to go by, and you stopped right in front of the bar. No way. I'm like, dude, awesome. Uh, Pleasure. Nice to meet you. Uh, Gotta go. I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Thank you for flying all the way out here to, to like, have me stop and say hi to you, but apparently I'm not dead. Apparently I didn't hit my head. I I got another 100 miles to go. Uh, Okay. It was that was that was that trip was just like that. It was like you couldn't, you couldn't stop. You couldn't, you just had to keep it moving because you didn't have, you you couldn't make up time. There was no, the bike you were already doing the very best it could do. There was no, there was no reserve. Well, and we said it was a fifteen Indian. Eleven. Eleven. Excuse me. Yeah, and that was in two thousand ten. So it was ninety nine years old when I did the the. The first one, and they let you in by def- just because, or what I thought you, the bike had to be a hundred years old. No, no, the first one, the first one was pre fifteen. Okay, 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 and that was in two thousand ten. And then I think he went to like twenty. I can't. Rem- so pre fifteen in cars is brass era. Yes, and it's it's weird because there are some cars that they made in fifteen and made in sixteen. It's the same model, but of course the the fifteen it's they got to make a cutoff. Something. Yes, they do. So that was I think he did. I think he decided that 15 would be the cutoff because it's brass cars so it kind of, it's already okay. it's, yeah. or, it's already established yeah. it's already I established it. I, it. I don't remember what the second cutoff he made and then the third year I think the reason he did it was with 36 is 36 is the first year for knuckleheads in Harley mm-hmm. 36s are ridiculously rare it's a half year overhead valve Harley so I think he did 36 hoping that a few guys would show up with 36 knuckleheads which although they're pretty modern first year knuckleheads are notoriously uh unreliable because it's a half year for a brand new bike and they're absurdly valuable and rare mm-hmm. so uh i think that's why he picked 36 for the for the next one 
This is a great time to take a few moments to talk about this week's sponsor. Over the weekend, we sprung forward for daylight savings. Spring is in the air, and you know it's time for some spring cleaning. You might as well use the right tools for the job, and Manscaped has the right ones for cutting back that winter growth. Say goodbye to cuts and nicks. The Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and advanced skin-safe technology, your snags on your balls will be reduced. The trimmer is waterproof so you can trim in the shower, your mountain river, or jacuzzi if you're a savage. Manscaped's performance package is the best buy of 2021. It comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, and performance boxer briefs, as well as a travel bag. It even comes with the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com by using code REVIVAL. That's REVIVAL, R-E-V-I-V-A-L. Do it today and show your special someone that spring has sprung. Do you still have that 11? Yes, I do. I didn't see it in here. No, it's at my, it's in my living room. It's at the house. Nice. I ride that bike... Um, I ride that bike probably every, every summer. I drag it out, start it up, ride it like three or four miles and go, oh yeah, this thing's fucking sucks. And then I <laughs> drain the gas and put it, do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like wildly disappointed yeah. in it. And I put it back in my house and go, this is much better here. It's, it's a much better, uh, it's a much better coat rack than it is a, a motorcycle. Um, it's the only thing I've had for a long time. Pretty much everything I do, I put together and then the moment that it's finished, I sell it to fund the next project. Okay. Um, that one I've hung on to probably probably because of the cannonball. Um, and there's been a few times where I thought I would sell it. I thought I would sell it. Um, I kept hoping my daughter would get into riding it. I, and I, I have encouraged her. Like, we bring it to bring it to motorcycle swap meets and encouraged her to ride it. She said, well, it's worth a lot of money. I said, I've crashed it a bunch of times. Like, I can fix it, you know. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I I keep thinking that it's like, maybe that's that's something I should keep. Maybe I shouldn't be so sen- sentimental and I should just cash it in. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just never. It's really it's the only thing I've kept. Every every other every other project I've ever done for myself gets sold to fund the next to fund the next project. And- we talked earlier off mic that that's not the kind of machine that would would go to auction. That was like you just call somebody in the circle. Yeah, you know th- that bike is that bike is not particularly. It's not super accurate. I did a lot of stuff to that. I, there's a lot of modifications that I did to that bike for the Cannonball, um, and I have changed some stuff. I've changed. I I re restored it. I, I painted it and plated it after the Cannonball. So it looks better because it looked like straight trash after mm-hmm. the cannibal. Um, it's not it's not a perfect example, which is good because you wouldn't want to take a perfect example on that event anyway. You ruin the fucking thing. Um, I don't know if it's got any value because it was a cannibal bike. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm not an auctioneer, but I can see there being value attached to it, but not like an incredible amount. No, but, yeah, but it's not. It's not a. I mean, it's not a. It's not an. Yeah, but this bike did the first cannonball run. It did. That's it. That's it that's the claim. It did. it did. And um, I don't know. It's the the way I ended up with that bike was was really awesome. Uh, I was building an Indian motor for a customer. Uh, a, a fellow came into the shop who actually um. 
at the time wasn't family, but my uncle married his daughter since. So like huh. now the guy's family, but old swamp Yankee, uh, shows up at my shop. It used to be his, not this building, another building I was in it used to be his building. Uh, uh, Stuart Sherman. Great dude. We lost him. We lost him this year. He was an awesome guy. Uh, comes in and says, Oh yeah, yeah. I got a couple old Indian motorcycle engines. I pulled them out of Stedman's. Stedman's is a bicycle shop in town. Yeah, the old hotel. Okay. That used to be an Indian dealership. Oh no shit. Way back in the day. I got all sorts of pictures I'll show I'll you. I'll have to look at that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> Stedman's was an Indian dealership way back when. Apparently, they were cleaning out the attic or the basement, and there was all this motorcycle stuff. And uh, Stuart told me it was in the 60s, or no, in the 70s, when I went to Stedman's and the old man at Stedman's, who was actually like the grand, the nephew of the guy who started it, said, no, 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 we threw all that stuff out in the 60s. So sometime before my time, uh, they were tossing this stuff in the garbage. This guy grabbed two engines that were like, they'd been... New old stock in a way? No, nah, they were just, bike got crashed or something. Okay, they were, they were okay. just parts, pieces of parts. He grabbed the shit and he had thrown it in his barn. So he comes to my shop and says, I got these... Indian motorcycle engines. Uh, you want them? Somebody offered me 75 bucks a piece for them, but then I had to ship them and I didn't want to do it. <laughs> Give me $100 a piece and you can have them. I said, Stuart, yeah, 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 I want them. Yeah, well, they're in the barn. Again, these these are local people. I'm, we know each other from 100 years. He says, uh, they're in the barn. They're in the back corner. He tells me where they are. Go get them. So, okay, so I drive over there, go in the barn, sure, then shit, like old rototillers and crap. There's these two Indian singles. One was a small single from 1910, and one was an 11 single. Bring them back to the shop, clean them up, throw them in the parts washer, and I end up listing the small one, 10, on eBay. This is 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I got a pretty good amount of money for it. So I see Stuart again. I say, hey, man, I got a lot of money for that thing. I only gave you a hundred bucks for it. Here's 500. Like I owe you. Yeah. Cause I did well, I'm keeping the other one. I'm going to build a bike around the other one, but here's a nickel to, to like, I can't have only paid you a hundred bucks for this thing. Well, a swamp Yankee, uh, you know, do you know any of these swampers? I do. Okay. They're, they're, they're a breed all their own. Mm -hmm. I love them. They love them. Stuart used to say stuff to me like, um, you're not from around here, and you're not really a swamper, but you're all right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is like a backhanded compliment. Yeah. Like, you're all right is like, they're they're just great. Anyway, so he says uh, uh, he doesn't want to take the money, but he also can't refuse. Like, a, a swamper is not going to refuse 500 bucks. So he takes the 500 and sort of grumbles and leaves. <laughs> Next day, he comes into my shop with two five-gallon buckets full of, like, carburetors, magnetos, any little part that could be motorcycle. Puts them on the floor in my shop. Doesn't even get close enough to me to like really see what they are, and says, "This is it. We're, we're fuck, even. We're fucking even." Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, don't want to. Don't, don't, don't you dare. So I ended up collecting parts. Took me like eight years, and I built a bike, but it's a bits of bike. So that bike's never really. Do you not know what I mean? Quote it, unquote matching numbers. It, no, it's not. Yeah, not I, at all. But yeah, whatever. But I'm a bottom feeder, dude. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I build a good bike for somebody else, and he's got some broken part. Hey man, I'll take five hundred off your bill if I can have that broken part you don't need. I fix the broken thing and it goes in my pile, um, and that's how I've been doing it for that's how I've been doing it for years. Is just you know that's that Merkel project. It's scraps, pieces, 
you know, wheeling, dealing just to try to turn chicken shit into chicken soup. <laughs> uh, well, there's a couple other bikes in here. Are yeah. they yours or those clients? Those are actually uh, Club Brothers bikes, uh, sushi. So he's, he's a Japanese dude and needs bikes stateside to do events. Oh, okay. So it's a pretty sweet deal. I have a WR Harley that lives with me. It, it will never leave me. Um, and Sushi's the type of guy that he's really hard on equipment. So he's perfectly content with me riding his motorcycle as hard as I can. Because if I can't break it, that means he can't break it. Okay, okay. So it's kind of... And you know what? I'm... I try to be, I, I'm cautious of that. You know, I do realize I'm, I'm riding somebody else's bike, but yeah, I have motorcycles that basically he paid and he pays me to bring them to events and he pays me to fix them when he breaks them. So it's kind of the, again, I'm a bottom feeder. It's the, that's the best deal ever. Um, that knucklehead, that 44 knuckle is supposed to go to, is supposed to go to Japan. It was supposed to go again, COVID put the pause on that. That thing was supposed to go to Japan in a container a while ago. That's going to be his like daily street bike. He's Sick. a he's a wild dude. He's a wild dude. Um, but yeah, that is again. I, I I I'm not a rich guy, but all the dudes that have the money need somebody to fix the bike. So mm -hmm. hi, <laughs> let me play with your cool toys. But you can fix it, which is very important. Yeah, yeah, and the same thing at auctions, dude. I get like pulled in. You know, I always get pulled, you know, they got the VIP section that's roped off. Somebody will spot me, some baller, and they'll pull me up there. So I'm getting free food and drinks because they they go, hey, what's that fit? What's that go to? What they're picking my brain. So like my my value in the in the in the hobby in the world is is to ID stuff, to I know where the bodies are buried. You know, I, <laughs> oh that was that was so and so's bike and yeah. they did the, you know what I mean? I, I've been I've been in the stuff long enough that I, uh, there's some value in, in my knowledge and I've been able to capitalize on it. And like I say, build kind of a neat little life. I'm out here in the, people come here and they're like, how the fuck? I've never known this place was here. You didn't know this place was here. You got a friend right around the corner. Yeah. Like within a mile from right. here. Yeah. Um, I've been here for 16 years. Wow. Yeah. Nobody know People don't know I'm here and they're like, you know, you should put a big sign out front or something. No. I'm like, no dude, I, I don't, I'm fine. I couldn't even find the number. There's no number. I, I just turned the driver because like there's a bunch of weird cars, shit right? That's a bunch of old cars. That's him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I've been able to, I've been able to do that simply because, um, there's good people in the hobby that are willing to keep keep me fed, so that when it comes time for them to do whatever goofy thing they want to do, they know their machine's gonna work. You know, I used to go to we used to go to uh, the Oli swap meet, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a great swap meet. Fucking awesome swap yeah. meet. Like, it's one of my favorite things. In the, it's like the time of year, the spot, the people that run it, the whole vibe of the thing is great. I remember going to the Oli swap meet, say, 16 years ago. And you say, oh, so-and-so found this bike. Or, so look, look, and we'd all go find whatever, like the newest thing they found. The last four or five years, it's a part. It's not a whole bike. Do you know what I mean? So-and-so found a the correct carburetor for the 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 stuff is drying up and i don't want to say that in a negative way um because stuff still can be hidden especially motorcycles but it is it's changing and the good thing with the okay. the good thing with the the antique motorcycle club of america at Oli, they 
encourage people to bring antique Japanese motorcycles. They're like, hey, you know, we'd like to thank, they mm -hmm. always say on the PA, we'd like to thank the Japanese Motorcycle Club of, of America, whoever they are, for coming and blah, 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 because they know you need an entry point. Somebody yeah, who's exactly you need you need the next generation to be able to with pocket money buy something and get into this. If you don't do that, because the even a even a forty five a flathead Harley is they used to be seventy grand now they're like getting ten fifteen thousand even that you got a young family dude that's that's a, a lot of money that's a lot of money no matter who you are for something that's useless. Mm -hmm. um, you need the the thirty five hundred dollar cafe racer built out of a, a Honda CB three fifty is doable. Yeah, that's the entry level drug, and that's and that's what you need. Mm -hmm. and yeah, so the the antique motorcycle uh, club of America is doing a great job of, of of creating that you know entry point for the next generation of uh, of hobbyists. And the other part with motorcycles is nineteen ten car. If you're a gearhead, it's interesting to drive it. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not fast. It's not, but it's not even, you know what I mean? It's not, you can actually have a good time on an old motorcycle. I, I joke about my 11 being anemic, but it's like riding a mini bike. Mini bike's still pretty fucking fun. Even a fucking moped, it's still pretty fucking mm -hmm. fun. You know, mm -hmm. riding a slow motorcycle fast is a good time no matter what. So the I feel like the motorcycle hobby and I don't, well, we're not going to go politics, but I don't see gas getting cheaper. No. I just don't think that we can, I don't, I don't think that that's a, a possibility for our future to expect fuel to not go up. So um, I think motorcycles have great growth potential, even in the, you know, versus muscle cars. If you said, what do you, what are we buying? You know, uh, Panhead Harleys or Chevelles. I think Panhead Harleys are a better buy. Yes. Um, I think they've got a you know a gallon of gas when it costs fifty dollars for a gallon. Put a gallon in my panhead and I can actually go for a ride. Put a gallon in my big block Chevelle, and I'm not getting around the block. Yeah, so yeah. I I think, you know, and you can put more motorcycles in a smaller space. Like I think motorcycles are the, for a hobby, um, a smarter play for younger people. Than, yeah, than, I than, agree. Yeah. Than, than than antique cars. The thing that they don't have is the ability to, um, you don't have the ability to, you know, I like taking the kid, I like taking the kid for a ride in the, in the old cars, but, um, the kid grows up, you know what I mean? My, my, my daughter doesn't want to hang, doesn't want to hang out with me anymore anyway. So, <laughs> you know, again, in the long run, I think the motorcycles are the, are, are the, are the place and do you want a social distance, baby? We just ride the mo you know what I mean? It's, it's, it is, it's kind of the motorcycle sort of works for a number of reasons right now. So. That's why it's the popular basic motor transportation around the world, like in third world country, is like scooters. Everybody's got a scooter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cheap and effective. Yeah, and um, again, they're f no matter what, they're a good time. Oh, yeah. The other thing about mo motorcycles is go for a long motorcycle ride and show up someplace. It's a, you've, you've been out in the, you've smelled the smells. You got the dead bugs on you. You, you, you know, you, you were out there in it. When you travel by car, you're you're in a you're in a box. You're on the highway, uh, you know, M McDonald's, gas station, Home Depot, McDonald's. It's yeah. the same thing for the whole way across the country. You know, the landscape changes a little bit. When you ride a motorcycle places, especially like an old piece of shit like I did, 
cross country, I rode back roads from one side of the country to the other. Dude, I'm like riding down the road and people are mowing their lawn and they're talking to me. I'm going so fucking slow. <laughs> hey, what's that? Oh, it's an 11 Indian. Where are you going? California. You're crazy. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you, you, like really think you're moving that slow. And when the temperature changes or when the wind blows, you can, you're there, you're out there in it. It's more visceral. It's more, it's just, it just, it's a different, it's a different experience than, getting in your, you know, car and f you're fucking with your radio. That's the other thing. You, you distract yourself. Do you know what I mean? I'm not fucking with my phone. I'm not messing with the radio. I'm not, you know, ch you're, you're riding the motorcycle. I, I, I feel like I'm going to fall asleep driving the car all the time. I've never had that experience on a motorcycle. Yeah. I could ride a motorcycle for 15 hours straight and never get drowsy. Put me in a car and turn the fucking heat on. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> yeah, to when what are we gonna get there? When are we gonna get there? Yeah. The motorcycle, the whole ride, you're like, oh man, I'm I, you know, I'm an idiot. I, the same thing riding riding like modern Harleys. I ride modern Harleys and you get that low bro wave from other dudes on Harleys. You mm -hmm. know the one they just yeah, the like they down. drop their hand, right? Yeah. Dude, I wave like I, I'm like, like you. A, a I goon. do the same thing. I'm a goon. Because yeah. I'm like, you're on a motorcycle, I'm a motorcycle. Isn't this the car? Oh, good to see it. Good to see I'm a fucking goon. Cause I'm there's no I have no badass in me when I'm in a motorcycle because I'm so thrilled to be out there on a motorcycle. Because like, it brings you back to being 13 again, like you were saying. Right. I'm yeah. on my bicycle and I'm, you know, I'm I'm free. I'm off. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a time machine, dude. You're off you know, traveling, you know, check, checking out the... And again, the smells. Dude, I remember like riding a, you know, riding a dirt bike and uh, like I, I used to know how far I could go on reserve. I remember being a kid and going, okay, all right, I'm on reserve now. I can ride from... I can go this far away from my parents' house and still get back and run out of gas. I'd run out of gas like as it rolled into the garage. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. th th that's a yeah. pretty f at, at age ten. Mm -hmm. You you're you you got a th and that's where your head's at. I was they they used to they used to because I did so terrible in school. They would uh, my folks would say, oh, you can only have five gallons of gas per week during the school week to try to keep me in the house to do homework. homework. Yeah. <laughs> so they rationed me to five gallons a week until they catch me siphoning fuel out of the family car. And they're like, okay, never mind, never mind. He's going to figure out a way. Like his workaround is too dangerous. And we're watching him, you know, taking mouths full, gulping down oh. fuel to, to, to just ride some more. We got to figure out a better way to motivate this kid to pay attention in school. So then the motivation was always like, Oh, do you, do you want a new dirt bike next year? You better, you know, stop skipping school. Yeah. So that was how, sort of, and it did, it probably saved my life. I probably would have gotten in a lot of trouble if it wasn't for motorcycles and bicycles because they gave me an outlet. It gave me something to do and uh, fucking gave me a job. Yeah, it gave you a livelihood. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. I built a little, you know, I had help along the way, but I built a little world out of goofing around with toys. And they are, they're toys. That's the other fun part about motorcycles is sports cars, you know, you're always like, well, I can drive it to work. You can justify it, right? The motorcycle thing, you're just like, mm, it's a fucking toy. You don't even pretend. You know what I mean? Or I remember I used to, when I worked at the car dealership, I used to have a sport bike. I had a, a 
a Yamaha, an R6. I didn't have the 1,000 because I was being smart. I had an R6. And uh, I remember the owner's wife coming. I used to keep the bike in the in my... We had each each mechanic had two bays. Mm -hmm. So I'd keep the bike next to the toolbox. As you do. Right. You ride right into the shop, yep. dude. Gangster. Mm -hmm. Right into the shop. Um, and she'd come over and like looked at the speedometer. I remember it went, 20, went, went to like 160 or 150. And she said, how often are you, you going to go? Where are you going to go 150? 150 miles an hour. I said, oh, I do it on ministerial every way on the way to work. <laughs> she said, what? And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, every day on the way to work. I pin this thing. You're, you're a, a, I said, it's not made to go slow. Like, the, that's the weird part is you do that enough, it stops feeling fast. And that's, again, that's why I've moved towards this old stuff. When my daughter was born, I got rid of all the modern stuff and just started with just an, like just antique stuff because the new stuff is so goddamn good. Yeah. So Reliable. Good. And fast. Yeah. In fact, and I'm not that fast. So, you know, you make a mistake and it gets ugly real quick, but yeah, the, the motorcycle, the motorcycle world is, uh, and the people are fucking better. I'm telling you, dude, in the, in the, in the antique car hobby, I'm not trying to dog the antique car hobby, but at nine out of 10 guys are tools oh, yeah. in, in the motorcycle hobby. Nine out of 10 guys are good. And the one guy that's a tool is like the, is the weirdo because motorcycles, it just weeds out a certain, you know, there's a certain group of people in the, that are not going to tough it out in the antique motorcycle world. And I've seen them come and go Got customers. Hey, uh, is there any way you can make this electric start? No, 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 definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Hey, this thing rides real bad. Uh-huh. Yep. They all do. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, do you want do you want a Goldwing? Go buy a Goldwing. I'm not turning your. We're not going to turn this antique motorcycle into that. That's what makes this so much fun. That's what makes it special. That right. It's and you're gonna get covered in fuel. You're gonna get covered in oil. It's stinky. It's you're gonna gross. get wet. You're getting gross. Yeah. You you you're gonna be gross. Mm -hmm. And then unless you're cool with that, oh man, on the cannonball. <laughs> poor hotels we ru i said i think we ruined washing machines and hotels from coast to coast you know everybody's doing laundry mm -hmm. i remember going to like open the washing machine up and you know there's 20 cannibal guys have already used it and there's like an oil ring around nice. the top of the nice. i was just throwing stuff out i would wear my pants until i couldn't wear them anymore and just toss them and, and go get another pair of pants because it was Dude, we were so grimy. It was the most fun. Dirt, the like filthiest, dirtiest. It was so much fun. Guys bathing in the swimming pools at hotels. Like <laughs> it again, it's the motorcycle scene. Do you know what I mean? It's like a different uh it's just a different crew of people. Guys are who are willing to eat ramen noodles in order to own the motorcycle that they want to own versus in the car world. It's a there's a little bit more like ego flex going on in the car world versus the bike world. I, lo I love them both and I and I fuck around in both places, but um, the mo the motorcycle stuff is the motorcycle. There's more brotherhood. There's more. I like. I feel like I got I got more family in that in that part of the. Would you say your heart is in motorcycling? Yo, motorcycles will always be my will always be my. I mean, they, I, I I'm telling you, it saved my life. I school was terrible for me. I hated it. And if, if it wasn't for the, if it wasn't for my parents bribing me with dirt bikes and you know, again, God bless my parents there, they, they were, they were, they were trying to, you know, they didn't want me to ride motorcycles, but they were trying to, 
you know, keep me out of trouble. If it wasn't for that and it wasn't for the, it was something I was good at. Dude, when you're a kid and you suck at school, there's nothing, you know what I mean? If, and I was never a team yeah. sports kind of guy. Yep, yep. So there was nothing for you, you know what I mean? For the first 18 years of your life, or, or say from age 8 to 18, for 10 years of your life, if you suck at school, you suck. And, and I didn't because I could fucking rip on a dirt bike. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, great. You can read and write. Watch this. Yeah. I'm going to take your girl. Watch me fucking take your girl. <laughs> come You're... come down to the practice track and watch me take your girl because I am going to show you some shit. And, you know, that you start to, dude, you just, you, stupid shit. I remember the first time one of my homeboys, we would ride at this gravel bank and from the big loaders digging the the topsoil and the grass and the vegetation at the top sort of the root system would hold the the top say foot or so of dirt together and they would dig but all the sand and stuff below it would erode back so you'd have these giant hills but the top foot or so would actually go beyond vertical you know what i'm saying because yeah, it yeah. would so the and somebody figured it out it wasn't me it was somebody before me I saw tracks, dirt bike tracks going up it. And I'm like, how did they go up past vertical? Like, how did that not like flip them over backwards? So fuck it. Let's give it a shot and hit it as fast as I could and got up to the top and, and started going over backwards, but had the back tire just sort of hook and flip me back forward the right way. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first 10 times I did, it was ugly. You know, it just was... But after doing that and, and getting to the point where you were good at it and you could make it look like you could make it smooth, do that with a bunch of people watching, you were a god. Like you just, do you know what I mean? Yeah, you just yeah. did and, and do it in a place where there was no tracks. So nobody had like, hey, watch this. And everybody is like, oh my God, he's going to kill himself. And you go pull this maneuver off. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not so good at reading in front of the class, but watch this. It was a flex, and then the motorcycle gave me that sort of Superman power for a minute. I, I motorcycles will always have my heart just for that. Nice. Well, uh, wrap it up here. Yeah, man. Since we're going uh, quite quite into it, but it's been a great time sitting down here with you, and uh, find out there's somebody else out there that's a total weirdo like me. Yeah, freaks. Yeah, freaks. Total freaks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, is there? Oh, you know, you don't have a phone number that you don't have. You have a sign. My Instagram. But. My Instagram. Let me plug my Instagram. Yeah, go for uh, it. So I'm Sean Bray ten uh, S E A N B R A Y one zero. Yeah, I'm pretty slick, like Sean Bray ten. Uh, <laughs> and then I've got a then I've got this silly little alter ego thing that I do uh, called the Restoration Guy. But if you go to my Instagram, Sean Bray ten, I've got a link to my Restoration Guy. The Restoration Guy. I just do these little videos of like stupid tips and tricks that I figured out over the years of they have kind of bailed me out and I hope that I hope that I maybe save somebody from you know a mistake that I made well uh, I'll definitely I'm gonna follow you with the the talking motorcycles account on Instagram okay and people will be able to find you through there yep um, also make sure you reach out and follow revival motoring on Instagram uh, the circle jerks is a new podcast from the network is about NASCAR and then uh, talking under the stairs of John stairs uh, as our, our network is growing with revival since my last recording. And uh, thanks for tuning in this week, guys. 